So last week or two weeks ago, I started a teaching about the condition of our heart. And I want to give you just a little review and preview about this teaching because this is the condition of our heart, part two. Here's some really good news. In the word is seed. The promises of the word are seeds. And they are filled with power. The word is alive and it's powerful. It's seed. And that seed has just as much power in you as in me. Anyone that puts that seed in their heart, it has the same power. My husband just planted some grass today. We had some um, low areas. He filled in with dirt, planted some grass seed. That seed could have sat in a bag on the shelf in the garage for many, many, many years. The power's in there, but it doesn't grow grass until it's in the ground. So what we're going to talk about today is the powerful truth that the seed has power, but the condition of our heart is what gives that seed the atmosphere to grow. And without it being in a heart with, with good soil, it's not going to grow or it's going to get choked out or what, you know, many possibilities. We want to have the best heart condition possible because the condition of our heart determines the fruitfulness of that seed. That's a big deal. So last week I talked, or two weeks ago, I talked, taught about the parable of the sower. And we looked at the four soils of the heart. Now, I had been listening to Andrew Womack. I, he's one of my favorite teachers. And he, when he was teaching about the parable of the sower, instead of um, it being four different possible kinds of heart conditions, Andrew says that he believes it's a process and that we... Most of us start with the first kind of soil, which is the one that's potential for the devil to just steal the seed. And then we grow spiritually until we're at that point where we have a a good heart, good soil that is very, very fruitful. And that's where I want to be. I don't know about you. That's where I want to be. Lori, I love you. You just respond. I love you, girl. These are friends from many, many years, and they're sitting front and center, so yay. <laughs> yay, God. So the, I'm going to do a real quick review. The first soil is where the seed fell on the wayside. So think about um, falling on um, the sidewalk or the pavement. The birds just pick it up and carry it away. It can't grow. There's no soil there for it to take root in. That's very often where we are. I see it in the world. You probably see it in the world where there are people that just have this wall, this hardness about things of God. I would have to say that I was there early on in my life. And in my case, this isn't the true for every, all of you, but for me, a big part of my problem was um, that I had been taught a certain way and I wasn't about to hear any other teaching from what I had learned. So I had that hardness. And so the same seed that says, by the stripes of Jesus, you're healed. The same seed that that shows the, the accounts of Jesus healing everyone who came to him could have just went right by me because that's not what was taught by the people that I highly esteemed. So that's that first soil, and I had a very hard heart. 
The second soil is the one that has the stony soil. And the problem with the stony soil is that when seeds go in, they, they can't take root. There's too much other stony stuff in the way. And so when the, the hot sun comes, they wilt. It wilts and falls away. So that's the case where, um, and, and then when Jesus explains it, he said that's where you receive that, that good news. Somebody says, guess what? It's possible to be healed. Guess what? God still does miracles today. It's good news. You take the news. But if you don't have root, if you don't know what the word says, if you haven't planted it and fed it and watered it, and it's not deep, then it can be stolen pretty easy. If somebody disagrees with you, if you hear somebody that says, oh, no, that's not true, this is what's true, and you don't know the truth, it can be stolen pretty easily. That's the second soil. The third soil is the one we're really going to talk about today because that's probably where a lot of us are. It's the soil where there's a lot of weeds or thorns. And what basically, in, okay, let's talk about grass again. If there's any seed that's sown, it doesn't have to be grass. Maybe it's a, a, a plant, a tomato plant or something that produces true fruit. And when that plant has just tons of weeds choking it out, the weeds are stealing the nutrients so the, the thing can't produce fruit as well. That's what the enemy wants to do in us. He wants to so occupy our hearts that the nutrients of the seed are stolen and choked out and not fruitful. So that's where we're really going to go today. And we're going to talk about how to move from that kind of a heart to a heart that has the weeds removed and the seed fed. Amen. Actually, it goes the other way around. The seed is fed, Amen. and when the seed is fed, it's like a pervasive ground cover, and it literally chokes out the weeds, Amen. and those weeds disappear, and then the, the, the seed can be fruitful. So let's go ahead and get started. This, the title of this, or the subtitle of this is, Where is Your Attention? Because the condition of our heart is determined by what we focus our attention on. Pastor Tim, you have taught this so many times. Pastor Tim uses this, this very quote. He says, what you focus on the most will predominate in your life. So what are you focused on? Are you focused on the problem? A couple weeks ago, I, I, I brought up a, an issue, and it's a big one, and we're going to go there today. We're going to address it. The issue is when you've got a, a health issue, a health problem, it's big. There is a lot that goes along with it. There's often a diagnosis. There's often pain, symptoms, lots of doctor visits. Um, you're, very often your life um, style or your, your schedule, everything changes because of that issue. What's happening is that issue is occupying your, your heart. It's occupying your time. It's occupying your attention. And that's one of the ploys of the enemy. That's exactly what he wants. He wants to get us so distracted that our focus is off the promise because that's where the power is. Our focus is off that seed. And the power is in the seed. It needs to be on the seed, not on the problem. Now, we're talking about the condition of the heart. But when the Bible talks about the heart, that's, that's the soul. That's the part of us that's our soul. We're a three-part being. We're spirit and soul and body. Our soul 
is what I call the middleman. It's our mind, our will, and our emotions. Many of us have heard Joyce Meyer's teaching about the battlefield being in the mind. That's kind of where we're going today. But I want to give you this little visual because I have a good friend, Tom Veers, many of you know him, who taught me this years ago and it really, really impacted me. He said, really, it's simple. It's two against one. Two is more than one. Two is greater than one. So we're a three-part being. Our soul is um, like the fulcrum or the balance point of a scale. On one side of that scale is our spiritual realm. When we receive Jesus into our heart, we receive the inheritance of being a, a son or a daughter of God. And it includes healing. Yeah. Now that's a huge teaching. Yeah. It's a truth. And I can defend it well with scripture. I'm not going to take time right now to do that. But if you want me to, or if you want any of our team to, we will absolutely go to the scripture and give you biblical evidence that it is God's will to heal and that healing is part of salvation. So when I receive salvation, healing is my inheritance. Of course, I need to know that part of my salvation. I need to believe it and I need to receive it. But it is my present possession in the spiritual realm. That's the spiritual realm. Healing is there. Now, my soul is my mind, will, and emotions. If my soul is focused on the spiritual realm and what is mine, if my soul agrees with God, that's two against one. Yes. And whatever's going on in my physical body has to come right on over here. Yes. But that's not what usually happens in the world. In the world, the world's way of doing things, the default, is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions is more focused on the problem. It's more focused on the stuff that's going on. And Sometimes we're even agreeing with it or receiving it. And then that's what will manifest and grow and get bigger and bigger and take over everything. So the condition of your heart is really determined on where your focus is. I'm going to read a scripture, and this is kind of a, a tough scripture to read, but I think it's an important one. It's Matthew 13, verse 14 and 15. This is one of the most quoted scriptures in the New Testament, or pieces of it are quoted. The one that I'm reading is Jesus quoting this prophecy that was spoken in Isaiah. The same scripture is written in Isaiah, but Jesus right here says this, this um, prophecy has been fulfilled right here. And then he rehearses or he speaks out this word. He says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. They have closed eyes, and their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Jesus is saying, this has been fulfilled right here. Think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus, the Son of God, was there healing miracles all over the place. And they're putting him to death. They're getting mad at him for healing on the Sabbath. They're turning him over to the Roman army, and they had him crucified, thinking they were taking care of a problem. They didn't get it. And he's speaking to them but he's also speaking to many of us here today. He is still a miracle-working God. But so many people 
don't have eyes to see. There's like a blinder, a hardness, or something there. And the, the, the end result is that they cannot turn to me and let me heal them because their hearts are hardened. I don't want to have a hardened heart. We're going to look at what that means to be hardened. The word hardened literally means to be calloused, to be insensitive and unyielding. And we want the opposite when it comes to the promises of God. We want a heart that's sensitive, a heart that is open, that's warm, that is yielding, that is sensitive to the word, that's sensitive to to hear God's voice and his will for you. But what you're going to hear as I share the rest of this teaching is that there are good things to be hardened to. And there are good things to be sensitive to, and we need to know which is which. So the bottom line is, what are you sensitive to, and what are you hardened to? So here's the problem. Hardness of heart may be keeping us from being sensitive to God and receiving what he has for us. We can be hardened toward God and be a good person. We can be a good, moral, awesome person and still have a hardened heart to God. Now, there is a scripture that says sin and rebellion cause hardness of heart, and that's true. But we're not talking about sin and rebellion today. We're talking about other things that can get in the way, basically focus and attention to keep us from having a sensitive heart. And what I want to do is I want to give you um, signs. I want to show you signs of a hardened heart. And they're all based on scripture and on what Jesus said. I'm going to give you three signs of a hardened heart based on scripture. And when I learned this, one of these applied to me in a big way. And I didn't think I had a hardened heart. So this is for me. This is for you. To reveal and get stuff out of the way that might be in the way of you having a heart that's ready to um, take that seed and produce fruit with it. So here's the first one. This account took place right after Jesus multiplied the breads and the loaves and fed 5,000 people. He had fed the people. Then he sent the disciples across the Sea of Galilee. He went to a solitary place to pray. And then in the middle of the night, that's where this account takes place. He saw them. He saw the disciples in the boat straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea And he would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost. And they cried out, for they saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were extremely amazed in themselves or in their heart beyond measure. And they marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. That word is teaching us something. So here they had been right where the the loaves were multiplied. And now it's later in the night. And when they see Jesus walking on the water, they... And then the wind, and then he comes in the boat, and the wind stops. So they saw three miracles. The loaves, him walking on the water, and then the storm stopping. And they were absolutely amazed they marveled. And it says in the scripture they, that was because their heart was hardened. So the first sign of a hardened heart, this is the one that caught me. Right, It just caught me to the heart because I realized this was me. One of the signs of a hardened heart is being 
amazed when you see a miracle. We shouldn't be amazed when we see miracles. Because if we know what that word says, and if we are truly walking in faith with an expectant faith, we should be expecting that miracle. And when that miracle happens, we're rejoicing. We're happy. We're excited. We're celebrating. But we're not surprised. Yeah. But the opposite, yeah, but the opposite, the, the switch of the same um, sign of a hardened heart is when we pray and when our prayer is not answered, we're not surprised because we really didn't expect it to happen. Wow. That's sign of a hardened heart. And that's the one that God's really been dealing with me. I mean, I want to be that person that it doesn't matter how, how serious the issue is, what the doctor's report is. When I pray, it doesn't matter because God's word says it. I believe it. And I expect, expect, expect that person to get up and walk, to get up and be completely healed and whole, to get off of that deathbed or wherever they're at because nothing's too big for our God. So that's the first sign of a hardened heart. Here's the second one. This one happens two chapters later in the same gospel. Jesus had, I don't, you really don't know the, the exact timeline in the Bible, but he had already done the multiplication of loaves for 5,000. And this is where he do, did the same thing for 4,000 people. Same miracle. And in these days, I'm going to just start reading, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples with him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. Can you imagine being so enthralled with what somebody's teaching that you are there for three days and haven't had anything to eat? Wow. I don't know if I could do that. But with Jesus, oh yes, with Jesus. Um, let's see. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they'll faint on the way for some of them have come from, from afar. And then his disciples answered him, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? This is the second sign of a hardened heart. They didn't remember what they had seen Jesus do with the 5,000 people. It didn't, it didn't settle in there. One of the signs of a hardened heart, and this one is a big one, is we don't remember all the wonderful things that God has done in our lives. Our focus is on the problem that's right there in front of us, and it might be a big one. I'm not negating that. I'm not oversimplifying that. It might be huge. But we need to go back and see what God has already done in our lives. And don't forget about all that stuff. It's, it's as if our heart and our mind are connected. They're all part of our soul. And our, we remember the things that we're sensitive to. And we forget the things that we're hardened to. This happened to me today, and as I was, I, I had a, my yearly doctor's appointment today, and she was asking me a bunch of questions, and she asked, last year, a year ago, I had an experience many of you ladies have had when I went in for my yearly exam, and the doctor felt something in my breast, sent me for an ultrasound, and that didn't look good, and then they sent me for a biopsy, and that's tough. You know, I went through um, uh, standing on the word and believing, Right? So today the doctor's asking me some questions about that. And she said, did you have a biopsy? I couldn't remember. I thought, did I have a biopsy? 
I know, I know that there was something going on. I, my heart is hardened. I refuse to let something, I'm not going to walk in fear. Oh, no, I'm well. I'm strong. I'm well. I'm whole. I'm healthy. I completely forgotten. And it took me like 10 minutes to sit there and try to remember. I, our heart is connected to what we're sensitive to. My heart is hardened to that, that thing. And I don't even remember it. So the things that you are sensitive to, you remember. The things that you're hardened to, you forget. So remember the good things. Remember what God has already done for you. Remember what his word says he's done. The third sign of a hardened heart is right in the same account. So he he multiplied the loaves for the 4,000. And I believe there were Pharisees there and Sadducees, religious people who were disagreeing with Jesus all the way, even though they were there. Because right then, at the end of that multiplication of loaves, the Pharisees start questioning him about a sign. They want him to give them a sign. He had just multiplied the loaves, right? And he was angry. So he gets on the boat, and this is where I'm going to pick up. He left them, that's referring to the Pharisees, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they had not more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then Jesus charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It must be because we forgot to bring bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? This is that same scripture Jesus is referring to that we read. And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? So another sign of a hardened heart is even though you have knowledge, they had knowledge. They could retell the the event. But it it hadn't moved into a place where it was impacting their life and what they thought and what they understood and what they perceived. They had knowledge, but it wasn't changing the way that they they saw what Jesus was talking about. So let's apply that to us. You may have knowledge of what the word says, knowledge of Jesus' healing in the Bible. But do you believe he's going to heal you? You might not take that and apply it to you. For whatever reason, maybe because of teaching or whatever. Or maybe you have, un, you have knowledge, but you're walking in fear. You're, you're, you're consumed with the problem. That seed should be doing something in here. Instead of letting those weeds take over. So that's another sign of a hardened heart. That you may have knowledge, you may have Bible knowledge, you may have teaching, you know, that you've had put in there, but it's not impacting your life. Hardened heart. 
So here's the bottom line. Our heart is hardened towards God when we're more moved by what we see than what God says, than by what that word says. So now we're going to change focus and we're going to go to the solution. Flip your paper over. Let's talk what to do. My prayer, and I'm just going to stop and pray it. I've been praying this on my own, but I'm going to pray it with you right now. My prayer right now is that we will take this solution, God, it's all from your word, and it will come in to our hearts that are open to receive right now. They've already been stirred up. Our hearts have been stirred up, maybe convicted, maybe cut to the heart. And right now, Father, I pray that you get in the cracks with your truth and that the truth, knowing the truth, sets us free and that we take this truth and apply this truth and it helps us, Lord. I know your word is powerful. I know it's alive. And I pray that we let that seed come in, that it's watered, that it's nurtured, that we give it miracle grow and that it literally chokes out every weed in our life. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen. 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 So we're going to talk about the solution because we need to be sensitive to what God says to the word. And we need to be hardened to the world, hardened to the, the problems, hardened to the, the world's way of doing things. We have the potential, and it's not hard. It's not hard. This isn't a hard thing to do. God has given us every tool. We just need to know them. We have the potential for one word from God to nullify thousands of words of the enemy. Just one word from God will nullify all the words of the enemy. But the choice is ours. We have a, we have a part to play. We can be sensitive to what we want to be sensitive to, and we can be hardened to what we want to be hardened to. And it all has to do with what we're focusing our attention on. What we think on controls the condition of our heart. What we think on, what we focus our attention on, controls the condition of our heart. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So we're going to look at four, four areas. The first one is, what are you considering and what are you considering not? They're both important. Let me define consider. Another word is meditate. That's important. Considering means to ponder, to contemplate, to think about, to talk about, to meditate on. What are you considering? And what are you choosing not to meditate on? What are you choosing not to put on your brain and let go round and round and round and round? I'm going to give you an example of a man in the Bible, Abraham. Abraham, we call the father of faith, right? He was the father of faith because of both of those things. He was the father of faith because of what he did consider and what he did not consider. So he's a really good example. I'm going to read three different scriptures. Here's the first one. Hebrews 11:8. Urged on by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed, and he went forth to a place which he was destined to receive as an inheritance. And he went, although he did not know or trouble his mind about where he was to go. So he had a direction from God. God said, leave your homeland, take your, your family, your, your, your um, herds, and leave. 
And he did. But he didn't trouble his mind about where he was to go. He wasn't considering. How many of us, God has given us a word and we're not quite sure what the end of the story is. Allison, you're in the middle of that right now. The, uh, that's, she's got an amazing testimony. Someday, Allison, I'm going to have you share what God has done in this season with you because it's phenomenal. But I, I had lunch with her a couple months ago, and God had spoken to her heart with this dream, with this vision, but he didn't give her the whole picture. She took the first step. And she is walking it out step by step. So what are you considering? You don't have to have the whole picture. God doesn't usually give you the whole picture. So consider not what you don't know. And don't worry about it. Just take a step. Because if he's giving you a direction, he's going to be right there to walk with you. Here's another example. Because of faith also, Sarah, this is Abraham's wife, Sarah herself received physical power to conceive a child even when she was long past the age for it, because she considered God, who had given her the promise, to be reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. So this scripture talks about what she did consider. She considered the faithfulness of God and his promises, and that he was reliable and trustworthy. And that's where her heart was. And we know the story of Sarah and Abraham. She was 90-some years old when she conceived she had to do a whole lot of meditating on that promise and on God's faithfulness to believe him, right? <laughs> That'd be a hard one. Now listen to the next example. We're still talking about Abraham and Sarah. This is from the book of Romans, chapter 4, verse 18 through 21. <clears throat> Excuse me. Abraham, who, contrary to hope, in <clears throat> I need a drink. Excuse me. Contrary to hope, in hope, believed. That might be where you're at today, where there's no hope according to man. But he believed anyway. And look at how he did it. Because God gave him this promise, and the promise was, so shall your, um, you're going to become the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And he did become that father. But then it goes and it tells us what he did, how he did that, how he walked in faith. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body as good as dead, already dead, since he was already about 100 years old. He did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. Tells us what he didn't consider. He didn't look at all the stuff that was against him. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Amen. So he considered God and the promise. And it says in the midst of this, at the, at the beginning of verse 19, it says, he wasn't weak in faith. In other words, he was strong by what he did not consider. And then further on it says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith. But what did he do? He was strengthened in faith. He did two things. He focused on praising and worshiping God, giving glory to God, even before he had the answer. And he put his focus on the promise, fully convinced, that's faith, fully persuaded. It doesn't matter what was going on in his body and in the years of his life. Fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. So Abraham was a man of faith by what he did consider and what he considered not. 
Abraham and Sarah starved unbelief and they fed faith. They were feeding their faith. They were feeding that seed. They were giving it miracle grow. And that seed was choking out the weeds. That was the unbelief that was getting starved. And they didn't consider those problems. They had an expectant faith. Because they chose to consider the promise and not the problem, they conceived the seed of the promise and they carried it. They incubated it through to delivery. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what are we considering? And what are we considering not? I want to give you an example, a worldview example, because this is what we see all the time, and I want to just highlight it. In this world, when somebody goes to the doctor and gets a, a bad report, this is what typically happens. You go to the doctor, and they give you a detailed report. And many times, we ask a lot of questions. We want to know the whole thing. You get the report. You get all the details. Then after you do that, you go home. Many people go on the internet and they find as much information as they can find. They do research about the doctor, about the disease, about the treatment, about the hospital, about all their options. Lots and lots of research. Another thing that they often do is talk to people. Lots and lots of people, especially people who are experts or people who have gone through something similar. They get as much information as they can. They take all that information. They do their best to synthesize it. And then reason, 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 plan, 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 and try to figure out what to do and how to get healed. And if they're believers, sometimes even if they're not, they ask for prayer. They come to church. They go to a prayer line. But the problem is they're spending more focus, more attention on all of the stuff that goes with the problem than they are the seed of the promise. And then they wonder why their prayer is not answered. Our heart, their heart, their heart has all kinds of weeds in it. Remember, the condition of your heart is what determines the fruitfulness of the seed. And their heart is focused, and, and our attention determines the condition of our heart, and their attention is all on the problem and all the details of the problem. The condition of their heart isn't good for growing the seed. That's what happens in the world, and that's why you're here, guys. You're here on a Tuesday night at a healing meeting. That's a good thing. You're getting your heart fed. So the first one is, what are you considering? What are you considering not? The second one is, Whose voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of God? We need to be sensitive. We're talking about having a sensitive heart. We need to be sensitive to the voice of God and hardened to the voice of the enemy. Amen. Doggone it. Amen. So many of us spend so much time listening to the enemy. Mm -hmm. Our focus is on the enemy. We give him more attention than we do God. We need to do the opposite. We need to stop giving him so much attention and harden our heart towards his purpose so that we don't even hear the enemy's voice. I, that's possible. Guys, that's possible. Listen to this scripture. This is John 10, verse 4 and 5. Jesus, in this scripture, he's talking about the shepherd and the sheep. And we know that Jesus is our, our shepherd. He's, that's that um, analogy he speaks about himself frequently in the Bible. And he's speaking here. Jesus says, 
When he, when the shepherd brings out his sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. That word know is to perceive, to notice, to discern, to discover, to experience. We follow our shepherd and we know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the stranger. It doesn't say they don't hear it. It says they don't know it. They don't take it in. They don't discern it. They don't use that to, to determine their, their path or what they're going to do. I want to share this amazing story. Um, I'm sharing two stories of ministry um, on our team this tonight. And the first one is a girl that's a Monday night ministry team member. Her name is Yvonne Stevenson. And um, she is healed of breast cancer. She was um, healed about 10 years ago. Just, she's an amazing, strong woman of faith. But when she was in the middle of the journey, she had this situation arise. She was doing really well. She was taking in the seed, the powerful seed of the word, and it was impacting her life. She was um, um, understanding and perceiving, and it was affecting her walk and her talk and everything else. And she was having better than expected results every step of the way. But in the middle of her journey, she got attacked. Um, uh, and I'm not going to go into detail about what the attack was, but she got really attacked by the enemy. And this fear rose up in her that she did her best to fight. She came against the enemy. She cast off the spirit of fear. She fought. She did everything. She assertively fought against that fear and the attack of the enemy during this season of her life. And then she heard God's voice. She just, I, she amended my story that I told last night because I didn't, I didn't remember this part. She said that God told her, she came home, she was, had all this fear, and God said, turn on the TV. She says, I don't watch TV. What do you want me to turn on the TV for? He said, just turn on the TV. So she turned it on, and the Olympics were on. She saw Michael Phelps. He was getting ready to swim. He had earbuds in his ears. He was walking, whatever was in his ears, he was focused on. He didn't take those earbuds out till right before he was ready to compete. And God spoke to her and he said, if you want to win, you need to do the same thing. So she, and then he also said to her, you're spending more time with the devil than you are with me. So she had her son help her, take her an iPod, and download all sorts of stuff. She put on praise and worship music. She put on healing scriptures. She put on a bunch of really good teachings from Andrew Womack. She put those earbuds in her ears, and she said she listened six to eight hours a day. She did what Michael Phelps did. She tuned out everything else. She tuned out the enemy's voice right in her ears. It couldn't get in. And she was feeding her soul. She was putting nutrients, miracle grow, water, and all that good stuff on that seat. And she is such, she's healed. She's strong. She's perfect. Yeah. So we need to do the same thing. This is a strategy that is so, so, so important if you're in the middle of a battle. That you feed yourself with good stuff. And that you put it into your ear gates, into your eye gates. Quantity and quality.
And that leads me to the next point. <laughs> this is going to be Lisa's story. Spend quality and quantity time with God. Quality and quantity. When you do, you will become sensitive because where you put your attention, that's what you become sensitive to. And if you're focused, if you're attentive to God and his word and his seed, that's what you'll be sensitive to. And if you are not focusing on everything else, whatever it might be, it might be the problem, but it might be busyness. It might be other stuff that you're filling your time with. But you can become sensitive to that instead of hardened to it. You want to be hardened to everything else and sensitive to God because the enemy wants to occupy. This is the third kind of soil from the sower parable. The enemy wants to so occupy your heart that it steals everything from the seed. So let me read a couple scriptures. Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night so that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. That's God's, that's God's word. And then in Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22, my son, give attention to my words. What you pay attention to, what you're focused your attention on, you'll be sensitive to. God says, put your attention on my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. This is the opposite of that prophetic word I read at the beginning where, where the scripture said, you have eyes, but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't hear. You have a heart, but you don't understand. And you won't let me heal you. This is the opposite. Pay attention to my word. Put your eyes on my word. Open your ears. Don't let them depart. Keep them in your heart. That's a good heart condition for their life to those who find them. Healing and health to all our flesh. That life word, that word life is physical life. That doesn't mean eternal life. That means physical life. Your body strong, healthy, and whole. And the last line, health to all their flesh. That word health can also be translated medicine. When we give our attention to, his, to the seed, we're letting that seed come into the soil of our heart. And we're nourishing it. And it brings health and healing. Now I'm going to tell Lisa's story. Okay, Lisa, stand up. See this beautiful lady? This is Lisa. I'm going to tell her story tonight. How many years ago did this start? Almost 10 years ago. Almost 10 years ago, Lisa was diagnosed with glioblastoma. She had a tumor in her brain that was one-fourth the size of her brain. When she went to the doctor, the doctor gave her no hope. It was an Abraham story. When there was no hope, in hope he believed, and that's what she did. He sent her home to get her affairs in order. But this woman... Oh, no. She only considered the seed. She only considered the promise. And she refused to consider the doctor's report and take it in and put her attention on it. Now, she knew the doctor's report, but she wouldn't put her attention and her focus on it. She kept her focus so much on God and his word. I've never seen anybody like you, Lisa. And I've seen a lot of people walk through their journey. So... 
I was, we went to the same church at that time, and I'm the healing lady. Yeah, and these guys did too. <laughs> I'm the healing teacher, right? So it's like, oh my goodness, I have to go see Lisa. I have to talk with her. I have to encourage her. I have to pray with her. I have to put word in her, you know? So I go to her house, and that's not what happened. Oh, yeah. This girl loves to talk. That's why I'm not letting her share right now. I love to talk, too. But she loves to talk. And she spoke the word that from the minute I walked in, the whole visit, and it was just flowing out of her like a waterfall. And all over her house, she had posted scriptures everywhere, 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 everywhere. Now, Lisa went through the whole protocol. So she had brain surgery. Now, the doctor, the whole thing is a miracle. For her to even get into that doctor was a miracle. For her to get in quickly was a miracle. And then he basically did way more than he typically would do because of her faith. Because brain surgery, you don't want to go too deep because all sorts of motor skills, speech, and everything else can be affected. She has not one motor skill affected. She is a physical trainer, personal trainer. She is a health coach. She's as healthy and as physically fit as they come. They told her her hair wouldn't grow back. Look at that hair. She had radiation. She had um, chemo. And all through that, she had to deal with the stuff that goes along with radiation and chemo. I remember when she was taking steroids and she blew up like a balloon. You know what? She was at church. She didn't care if she was blown up like a balloon. She was speaking only the word. It didn't matter to her. She did not consider all of that stuff. She didn't consider the symptoms. She didn't consider the steroid side effects. She just put that aside, and her consideration was on God and his word. And she's healed. She is healed, completely healed. Ten years later, because of what she considered and what she considered not. But at the same time, there was another girl that also came to our healing meetings. And that girl had a similar diagnosis. It wasn't glioblastoma, but it was breast cancer that had metastasized to the brain. And that girl didn't do the same thing as Lisa. To keep her, her mind off of the problem, which we don't want to focus on the problem, but to keep her mind off the problem, she turned on the TV. And she watched TV all day. Everything, every just mindless. I call them futile mindless time fillers. Her mother called me and said, Cindy, I'm so worried because all she's doing is watching TV and she's, she's not considering the word. She's not putting her attention here. She's just this brainless, you know, time. And she, she died very quickly. So two girls with a very similar problem, they, they completely reacted differently. We have a choice. We have a choice what we focus our attention on. We have a choice what we're sensitive to and what we're hardened to. Lisa was hardened to the problem. It was a big one. She was hardened to the devil. He was really attacking. She was sensitive to God. She was sensitive to the word. And we see the results. Let's just give God some glory. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. So number four, be totally committed. That was total commitment, being totally committed. A couple weeks ago, I talked about active and passive faith. 
Being totally committed is having an attitude. Active faith has an attitude. Having an attitude. And there's two big pieces. We've already talked about them. Stop the conception of thoughts that are contrary to God's word. Stop the conception and don't feed them. We talked about Sarah being pregnant with a promise, conceiving the promise and becoming the mother and father of many nations. That's what we need to do. We need to become pregnant with the promise. But we don't want to become pregnant with a problem. And that's what we tend to do in the world. We take it in so much that we conceive it. No, no, no. That is what we want to abort. And I'm using strong language because I mean it with all my heart. We need to conceive the promise and abort the problem by not focusing our attention on it. So you have some homework, but it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And we're here to help in any way we can. We can give you the manna to feed on, the promises to feed on, the good teachers to listen to. Praise and worship, if you don't know where to go to get praise and worship, we can help you to find good music, to to just lift your heart up and put your heart and your focus on God. So we can help you with that. We can help you to load up your iPod if you want to do that. So what we're going to do right now in closing is we're going to put our focus on Jesus. We're going to exalt him. And then we're going to start praying because our heart right now is stirred up and ready for seed to produce, right?